if it wasn't for the rays of the sun, there's no way I could tell you a story. Since I'm far away from a power outlet. Well, let's be honest, it's not really that far. My friend from Africa is confused why we Canadians seem to load up possessions to go live simply in the woods for a scant few days. But there's something about being out on another, another gravelly beach. This time it's a river that I'm not even sure I know the name. I know it's down the way from Birkenhead Lake. Not to be confused with those sandals you're wearing. No, to be sure. We're along the side of a, a river cold enough to chill the beers. The campfire's gleaming even though the sun shines brightly, brightly enough to charge up a little solar widget. And it powers the recorder so I can come to you and tell you a little story. This story on postcards from Gravelly Beach. It's one I dug out of the old uh, shoebox the other day. Yeah, I mentioned old grandpa, right? Old dead old gramps. And uh, here's a little story that happened from a road trip I took with him. One of those times I was writing postcards at diners. You know those kind of trips. So the legends go. Grandpa was asleep in the back. I was driving. Driving into the burning morning Arizona sun. I thought it was Arizona anyway. It's not like I was lost or anything. Just didn't know where I was. Or where I was going. Mostly because we weren't really going anywhere. Nowhere particular to go whatsoever. Just roaming. Which incidentally is often the best place to go. Last I remember was somewhere around Marble Canyon. Maybe. I think. It was nighttime then and daytime now. But an altogether different daytime than yesterday. Huh? We were around Bryce Canyon then. So that means we're somewhere else. That settled. Motor on. Cameroon? No, no, no. Cameron. Cameron, Arizona. Navajo Nation, rather. Dene, whatever. I, I can't figure it out. Must be an alright place, though. Suddenly savage. There's no Denny's or JB's. Not many of those on these half-paved paved roughneck tertiary roads through nowhere and beyond. Maybe that's why I like them so much. I drove through town, one road, a half-paved one, but the town ended after two miles of tar paper mobile homes, satellite dishes, broken big wheels, and shiny dented pickups. I turned around. There was too much to see to just drive past. I pulled into a gas station but didn't stop. Instead, went into a dusty parking lot, bordered by gas station, the Phoenix, a bar advertising family fun, and Navajo Joe's Indian Trading Post, a big science store boasting not only authentic, real-life, honest-to-goodness Indian handcrafted arts and crafts at the best prices in the Geronimo Valley, but also the best breakfast anywhere in their deluxe restaurant. My kind of place, maybe. I wasn't exactly sure yet. It wasn't open, though, not until 7. My concept of time had stopped at 9.09 a couple of days earlier in the land of 24-hour diners and a lack of desire to wind, for winding my wrist-worn antique. So I asked another obvious outsider, not a tourist, an outsider. He mumbled something about inefficiency and opening stores late and moving with the modern world. He continued reading the myriad handbills splattered across the poles, walls, windows, and doors. He seemed a little upset that his grand Hemingway-esque adventure had been so rudely interrupted. He and his new safari clothes were anxious to continue their search for something.
I sat for a while and I watched, just watched. More people started to appear, only a few, but I moved the car anyway. I didn't want people peering in through gr- grimy windows at Grandpa slumbering, tangled amongst backpacks, sleeping bags, back seats, and empty cigarette packs. Sleeping, wrinkling, and wheezing. No use startling anyone, not especially my dozing co-pilot and comrade. I listened for him to breathe, a habit I'd acquired lately, just to make sure. In the gas station, two Native American dudes sat in uniform, jeans, flannel shirts, boots. I almost fit in. Hey guys, do you know what time it is? I waited for them to say no. 6.50. 20 past 7, one right after another. Not even going to try and figure that one out. They didn't catch it or acknowledge it, so I didn't. Maybe I wasn't supposed to. I needed another question. So, uh, how much is your gas? Bravely assuming that the sign saying nothing, nothing, point nine a gallon wasn't correct. One guy looked at the different wall towards the ceiling, stared for a moment. One dollar, fifty-two, nine, ten cents, he said slowly, eyes closed. Uh, thanks, appreciate your help. Back out the door, back into the dust, stunned sand and back to Joe's in my seat on the porch. I couldn't leave yet. Another Navajo guy kept walking back and forth slowly, almost gingerly, but thoroughly lazy, picking up litter back and forth, back and forth, into the garbage and back and forth. I couldn't see any more scraps, but he continued filling his hands with the dusty pieces of nothing. Looking ahead, there would be none, but there was. Back and forth he went. Not wanting to interrupt his rituals, I read the handbills, the news. Maybe I had to stay and go to the potluck supper and dance with the all-native sons of the desert band from, band from Flagstaff. It was at the community center in some damn place next weekend. Next weekend, if today was the day, I figured it was. Or maybe if I was tricky, I could qualify for the native job training and placement program and stay here and live here, go to school in a trailer and learn to be a roofer. Wrestling was coming soon. A special no disqualification Indian, really, strap match between Mr. Wrestling and the Mighty Jet Lumberjack and an Easter egg hunt for the kids. I peeled the tape off the window, trying to be quiet after looking around to make sure Mr. Wrestling, or Mr. Handbill for that matter, wasn't going to reprimand me for thieving their poster. That's the last thing I needed. My brother and I used to laugh about the Indians who would get all stinky liquored up and go to wrestling and sit in the cheap seats and make lots of noise and think it's real. Well, hell, it was real, so the legends go. My other brother would really dig it, too. He's way into wrestling. So I went into the museum. I saw their ancient culture pressed, dried, and displayed. The science talked about the clever and curious things that they used to do, but avoided the topics of how it seemed to all drift away. When that day was, or about pickup trucks and fire water, Got me all confused and embarrassed just thinking about all those stories about cowboys, prospectors, preachers, marshals, governors, trains, blood, all my moralizing. Lasted about six minutes. I would have liked to have been an Indian way back, making pottery, smoking peace pipes, praying to rain gods. Is that what it was? Little Wiener Pig would be my name. Yeah, some Indians are still like that. It's a nice notion for a PBS special, but most aren't. I think this applies to any tribe, community, or club, right down to the Elks. Two guys came hauling around a corner at Mach 12 in a department transportation truck loaded down with gear. They gyrated donuts across dusty gravel parking lots, spinning, whirling, laughing, and drinking. Then they were gone, leaving silence and dead. Dust, no one dead, no one injured, no one even noticed, or moved anyway. The dust cleared a little bit, although it never does completely, and the garbage man peeled away the glass doors and unlocked the iron door prison bars into the trading post and dining emporium. He walked in and sat down on a stool and just sat there, waiting for something to happen.
gonna miss your baby from rolling in your arms. Later tonight, the river's noise will be drowned out by the sound of the trains chugling off into the distance. Who knows where they're bound for, up in the wilds of British Columbia. But for us, we'll sit here around the fires and think of more stories on postcards from Gravelly Beach.